join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. Um, so, my name is Travis Mark. I'm in a band called Deep Sleep Atlantic. I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. And then when I was a, in my late teens, I was in a band. We got signed and we were kind of shipped off to London, England. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a super long story, but then I ended up spending the next 16 years or so in England. So now I've got this accent that's partly South African. I still think it's fully South African. Mm -hmm. But uh, since moving to America, a lot of people seem to think that I'm British or Australian. I think we kind of, you know, botch it all together yeah, because we're unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. And so, like, so I consider myself to be at where I'm at in my life now. I've spent, I spent almost the, the exact amount of time in South Africa uh -huh. as what I did in England, mm -hmm. and I have citizenship in both. And now I've been in America for three years, and I plan on staying put, uh, provided, you know, the government allows me to. And uh, so I've had, like, quite an interesting life. It's like I've, I often joke with my wife that, like, it's almost like, it's almost like I've had three, like, chapters. Sure. And I'm busy writing this one, but, like, there's things about the first chapter that, unless you were there, you would never quite understand. Mm -hmm. And then there's things about the second chapter that the people from the first chapter or the third wouldn't understand. And it's like, and I don't mean that in, in a condescending way. I just mean it's like, it's funny because when you're in these different places, there's different cultures sure. and there's different foods and there's different slangs and there's different music. And so it's like, it's interesting because when I talk to people that I know from Johannesburg, I can instantly switch and I, I find myself saying words I haven't said in years. <laughs> and then like when I talk to people from London, they don't understand those words. So I have to go with the slang that was hot sure. at the time then if yeah. we're using those kinds of words. And then like down here, you know, it's like even just some of the, some of the, the, the silliest things aren't the same things. Mm -hmm. So it's like even just having an American wife. And like, sometimes we'll be talking and she'll say something. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about this? And she'll be like, no, I'm talking about that. I'm like, that's not what that is. Or vice versa. Yeah. So long answer, short question, but that's the, the gist of it. Yeah. Know? How much time did you spend in Johannesburg? The first 19 years of my life. Big chunk. Yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised. Mm -hmm. Born and raised and uh, started playing in bands when I was a kid and one or two of those bands had done a bit of traveling and touring and stuff. So I had left, gone other places, uh -huh. um, but never a move. Mm -hmm. And the move was brought on by, I was in a, a band that was doing very well. We got signed to a little independent label. And with that came all these, uh, these elements that hadn't been part of, we were just kids. Mm -hmm. We were just kids trying to, 
rock and roll, you know? Sure. And, um, and so, like, the thing that I think people maybe know better now as young musicians versus what we knew as young musicians was we were just kids that wanted to rock. And, like, so you, you were lucky if you had a website because Facebook and all that stuff didn't exist. Sure. So if you had a website, you were, you were doing well, you know? And, like, we would make posters and flyers and we'd go to the wherever, the hot spots, and we'd hand out our flyers <coughs> and stuff like that. And, and uh, when we got that deal, um, we had started making an album, which that's a whole other story. But suddenly we had industry people interested. And so with that came management and publishing and yeah. all these things that we didn't even know what any of it was about. And listen, we did some stupid things. I have zero uh, to say about it because we were kids. Sure. So in hindsight, as you get older, you kind of go, we really could have handled situation A a little bit better. Yeah. Or maybe had we utilized situation B a little bit better. But I don't really regret any of it. I mean, it's brought me to where I am now. You know, it's, it's a necessary like, evil, I think. You know, very it, much so. Especially if you plan to learn anything, get anything out of life, you yeah. got to be shown the hard way yeah. sometimes. You know. Yeah, and and I mean, you you would know and be able to attest to the fact that some people don't seem to learn. And I'm not saying I've learned everything. I still have a billion things to learn. But sure. but I've got. Um, some people that I know, they seem to be stuck in these negative loops. Mm-hmm. And listen, that's very easy to say, like you can get out of it. I've been in them myself. It's like, they're not easy things to get out of. You get down, life gets hard, etc., etc. But <coughs> But I find that some people, I don't know, they don't seem to, maybe that's not the correct wording. Some people don't seem to want to leave that loop. And it's yeah. easier to complain within the loop i think when you're familiar a lot of times it gets comfortable and the unknown is kind of a threat yeah you know and um but i also think stagnation is death you know you got to keep moving and learning and and changing you know um in your household as a child what kind of music was being played were your parents big music fans massive music fans um and and again you know i didn't realize but like my mom would always have the radio on always that Mm -hmm. thing was on Every single day from the moment I woke up till the moment I went to bed, or at least till the moment we sat down to f- have dinner kind sure. of thing. Um, away from that, I remember she would always play things like Carol King. Mm-hmm. Her and my dad were both massive Beatles, Credence Clearwater Revival, Rolling Stones nice. fans. Um, there were a couple other nuggets that were there, but just constant music you mm-hmm. know um even like some of my youngest memories i remember like i can't quite remember the years and stuff like that but i remember being in like my mom's car she was driving obviously but we'd have the radio on and like you just sing at the top of your lungs and just music was awesome. always on yeah um and then i don't know who it was that showed me how the record player worked Mm-hmm. For the, the vinyls now. Yeah. You know? But I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad or if I just figured that out. But they had quite a hefty record collection. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. <clears throat> Which is interesting because I don't remember them playing records. 
I remember the radio one all the time. Like we, we're talking hi-fi systems, right? So, yeah, so this massive units, system, stack yeah. unit, right? Like a five CD changer, a record player, double cassette, AM, FM, uh, probably not much more than that, but they were hefty things. And I remember finding this record collection in the little wall unit that the thing was in. And I was like, what is this? I was instantly drawn to the, the art yeah. and the, the covers and stuff like that. And my dad had these really cool, I remember them so well. I don't remember the model, but he had these really cool um, biodynamic like over ear closed headphones. Sure. These things, now that I know about gear and music and stuff, these things are still like industry standards. So they must have loved music because right. you wouldn't buy headphones like that if you were just like a eh, casual listener. You know? Right. And I found <laughs> these things and I found the record collection and somehow whether they showed me or whether I figured it out for myself, I figured out how the record player worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking I must have been around eight, nine years old. Okay? Yeah, I was going to ask when this is occurring because some of the artists that you mentioned that they were fans of yeah. were like, oh, yeah, and their is... heyday was like late 60s, yeah. maybe early yeah. 70s. Yeah, so, so this uh, this is like in the 80s for me. I'm, okay. I'm, or late 80s, early 90s. So I'm, I'm like eight, eight, nine years old. And dude, I discovered the police. That was it. That was it between <laughs> the police and me naturally being drawn at that age, I guess as anybody at that age would be, to pop culture and Michael Jackson just being this icon of a sure, figure. You yeah. couldn't turn on the TV without seeing him. You couldn't hear him, not hear him on the radio. <clears throat> I, was, I was hooked, dude. Between the police records my parents had, I didn't even care about any of the others after that. They had all the police records. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is this? And still to this day, massive police fan, massive sure. Michael Jackson fan. I know there's the personal stuff. But I'm talking about the music. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would just sit at that record player for hours. I even remember falling asleep many nights. Yeah. Or days. And it's blurry. I can't remember the exact details. But I remember just listening. Yeah. You know? That's a common thread in a lot of people that I talk to is uh, the discovery of um, a music collection. Yeah. In any form, really. Um, sometimes it comes with... Uh, We'll say the mentorship of a older neighbor or a big brother or yeah. their parents' collection or something. But um, at any rate, it's an introduction to usually a, dec- a decade or two of music that came before the person discovering it. Yeah. So it's all brand new to yeah. them. And it, it hits them. Yeah. You know? I guess it resonates with people that are already musically inclined or, or interested in the first place. But um, it it's something unto itself and it's something that you can spend time with and kind of interact with on your own, you know? And, um, it kind of inspires people and and kind of helps give them an identity and things of that nature. So that's, that's awesome, man. Um, in Johannesburg, are there any, um, music genres that are kind of indigenous to that region that you might not find anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple different types of music. There's so much music out there, you know. And by the time I started playing music, I wanted to play in a rock band, you know. Mm. Uh, one of my cousin's friends had introduced me to Nirvana. Mm-hmm. I, at that point, was still on my police Michael Jackson trip. And she introduced me to Nirvana and the whole switch flipped. And I was like... 
uh, I'm not playing the other stuff. Like, we're playing this. <laughs> the new age, you know? right? Yeah, that's yeah. Great. And and so like you know, I was always around like kids and <clears throat> and band guys that were like into that kind of stuff, like grunge, post grunge, metal. Mm-hmm. So I was always involved in that. So that's common there. But there there are a couple of types of music you might not know. I mean, there's a there's a like it's almost like a dance techno kind of music called Quito. It's very much like what Louisiana do with bounce, mm-hmm. that kind of feel, you know, boom, boom, very like all over the place. So that was always around growing up. And um, then there's an Afrikaans style of music called uh, Bura music, uh-huh. which ironically is very similar to Zydeco music. Uh, in fact, Almost identical. Really? Which is kind of mind-blowing, really, <laughs> because, like, you know, we're talking, this is a whole world away. Sure. So, again, for where we're at in the world now, how everybody wants to be so individualized and put labels on absolutely everything, we're all the same. We're all the same. I mean, we bleed the same, and even though we might have different types of titles for our music, when you break that music down... Yeah, it's all very, very similar, mm-hmm. I, and I'm not saying that to sound stereotypical either. It's like, but when it comes to Western world music, mm-hmm. there's only so many things you can do. There's so many rules, and there's there's so many ways to break those rules, and there are exceptions to those rules, of course. But like, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to have similar sounding things because, yeah. you know, we. we the, the music I feel I wasn't exposed to much as a child, <laughs> there goes my dog, uh, was country. There was country there, but that was not anything that was ever played around my house. Mm-hmm. So that's been interesting. Moving. Sure. And country's massive here. Yeah. And you kind of like, you go to a house party, someone's playing country. Yeah. You go to a crawfish boil, someone's playing country. And so now I've really started getting into country. It's like, again, the rules are the same. It's just a slightly different way of singing, and it's a slightly different way of playing. They all have the but same bones. They just manifest in different manners. Beautifully said. Yeah. Same bones. That is exactly. funny. Where we are here, um, Louisiana's been taken over at various periods uh, throughout the centuries by different um, cultures. Um, yeah. For a time, French. For a time, Spanish. Yeah. Um, you had uh, people coming from uh, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia that were yeah. expatriates and kind of reinforcing the the, the, the French presence, but um, it kind of splintered into just a really diverse um, set of influences. Yeah, you know, and some of them came together to form their own genre, and other stayed separate to yeah. kind of keep the flagpole stuck there. Yeah. You know, but um, it's, I mean, to our benefit. You know, yeah. obviously. Oh, it's such a um, melting pot. It's, yeah, definitely. It's incredible. Because um, you got the you got the brass and you have, you might have bongos, but you also have cajones and yeah. you, you just, you're bringing in different um, uh, strumming styles. You yeah. could go on for days about all of these things. So I, I really feel like um, that the indigenous influence is really important yeah. on what comes out of the state, no matter if it's through traditional genres like uh, country or bluegrass yeah. or w- whatever it may be, rock. 
styles. But um, it's really interesting when you hear someone that comes from a certain region and you can kind of pick that out. Yeah. Even though they're, I won't say under the guise, but I guess sort of um, they they are, let's say they are a country artist, for instance, like mm. you were saying, but they're from uh, the East and you can hear a difference than you would hear in, uh, let's say, Arizona or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to hear that manifest itself. Yeah. And it becomes a, a, a kind of a, a style unique to that artist, yeah. you know, yeah, totally. which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you were in Johannesburg until uh, 19, you said? Yeah, yeah, I was 19. like 18, 19, Randy. Was the cause for leaving um, the band and signing or your family moving? No, no, purely the band. Uh, purely the band. Um, so we got... Maybe, maybe got's the wrong word. We were going to do a showcase for quite a big label mm-hmm. in England. And we kind of thought, like, we, I mean, we were doing very well. Like, we were selling out venues. We had songs on the radio. Like I say, we had signed this little independent deal. We were doing super well. Mm-hmm. That kind of level where you, you start to notice things are happening. Like, it goes from playing to 30 of your friends to suddenly your 30 friends and 30 strangers to suddenly your 30 friends, those 30 strangers and 30 of their friends to suddenly, no, we can't fit more people in this venue. Yeah. So you've got to go to bigger venues. So, so we were doing very well. And this opportunity came about to do this showcase for this massive label. And so again, young, stupid, we like, we're going to be fucking rock stars, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we took the opportunity you know, as well as we were doing, we weren't making very much money. Sure. And so, like, we had to sell our cars and stuff like that. Because, hey, get in a plane from South Africa to London. It's not like just chump change, you know. It's it's, it's an expensive thing. Uh-huh. Plus, you, you need visas and stuff. It's not like back in the day where I think people could just travel without borders. So like we had to pay for these visas and then we had to pay for this. And we're like, man, what are we going to do? What? Like, it wasn't like the showcase was happening the moment we landed. It was like, we had to go plan and we, we didn't want to lose our edge. So we were going to try and go do a few gigs and, well, why don't we tour the place and we can do a tour before the showcase or in between and try and do it like that. And listen, long story short, it led to us, we were a four-piece. It led to us leaving. And unfortunately, things crumbled. Not immediately, mm-hmm. um, but eventually. And the band kind of stopped. And whether it's a positive or negative thing, I'm not <clears throat> sure. But But I was never the type of guy who would be like, all right, well, I'll sit here now and just see what happens. So I I kind of started to see, or at least potentially see what I thought was going to happen. And With the band or in the industry? With the band. And and I was like, well, assuming the worst here, I need to start getting back on that boat, you know. And like, so I started writing some songs and stuff and, and... I'd made my mind up that once I got to England, I'd never been to that kind of place before, this kind of first world country, 
that runs a large portion of the music industry, I was like, there's no way I'm going to go back. Like, we could have gone back. In hindsight, sometimes I sometimes think we should have gone back. Um, but the, the way things had happened, you know, my guitarist and my bass player left. And they went back to South Africa. And my drummer moved to a different area than I was in. And I was like, man, like, I think I'm going to stick it out. And I'm going to try and go to some jams. And I'm going to write these songs. And I'm going to put out a, a record. And at that point, you were a solo artist. I was basically a solo artist. But I've always liked the ideas, the idea of bands. And so I started working on material because I play multiple instruments. Mm-hmm. And I started working on material and, and uh, this guitarist friend of mine who actually landed a plane in a band with me for, man, close to a decade. After that, he, he let me use, at least I think it was his. Again, a little blurry. We're talking a few years back. But he, he let me use one of those Tascam multi-track recorders. Now, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like, yeah, it's it. really premature yeah. recording to cassette. <clears throat> and and I, I took a job at a, a bar. And so I was working as a bar back. And it was quite a beautiful situation. They, they, they let me... The places in England, I, I don't know if it works the same here, but the places in England, the pubs are such a infrastructure that they're massive. And most pubs will have living staff. They're called living staff. And you can live at the pub. So the pub's on one floor, and then another floor is where the staff can live. Hmm. Not all the staff. They're usually the manager and an assistant manager kind of thing. And so listen, I'm trying to do gigs, and I'm doing jams in the evening and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, I need to make some money. And... None of this is making me money. I'm, I'm, I'm in between things right now. So let me try and find a part-time job. And I, I managed to start playing with a band that was getting me a little bit of money, but wasn't enough. And I had days to spare, you know. I was trying to keep my nights free. And so I know I'm jumping around a little here, but it's going to come to a conclusion here. Sure. So, so I, I get this job at this pub and they agree to let me live there for free. As long as I stock, restock the fridges every night, you know, with the bottled beers and the wines and stuff like that. I'm like, what? Like, I'm only getting back, like, when this place is closing anyway. Yeah. I'm still buzzing from doing a gig. So, like, okay, cool. And so I find this place. I'm not paying any rent. I'm spending the days writing songs. I'm spending as many nights as I can gigging. And then I'm staying there for free as long as I stock the fridge. So, or the fridges. And so, so that starts to happen. And when, at around this time, again, give or take, give me a little bit of flexibility. But around this time, I meet this guy who's heavily involved, this producer, heavily involved with this major label. And he's looking for, or at least I'm told, he's looking for a bass player Mm -hmm. for this new project that he's starting. So I'm like, well, cool, I can play bass, you know. And um, so he picks up the phone. I'm not going to mention the names here, but a cousin of a very famous singer, okay, 
puts this guy in touch with me. This guy picks up the phone, <clears throat> wants to meet. So I'm thinking we're going to meet and be like, you know, talk like this. Yeah. Maybe about music, kind of get a bit of a vibe, see what happens. Maybe he's in the band. If he's a producer, he must know what he wants, you know. He doesn't want to talk about any of that. We meet at this coffee shop in central London. And dude, we're talking like long before smartphones, right? But like Motorola flip-up phones, they were like the razors were like the thing, right? Right, yeah. And we sit down and he's like, hey, can I take a couple pictures? I've never met this guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) That's so freaking weird. But okay, like what? what, Yeah. yeah. So he whips out this Motorola, takes out a couple pictures. And he then sits down and he goes... All right, I want you in the band. I'm going to send a text off or whatever. He sends off a text a couple of minutes later. Okay, I want you in the band. And I'm like, okay, but what band? Like, what's the vibe and this and that and this and that? And fast forward, I land up staying. I get signed with this other band. And the whole time, I'm just trying to start a new band. But now, now I'm with this other band. Sure. And so I land up staying there. And that's what led me to England yeah. you know and I stayed there inevitably and eventually that band broke up and I started another band and it's just been like a constant domino effect you know this band does pretty well no band lasts forever finishes next band yeah hey we got a little bit further than this one or we didn't finishes next band and the only thing I've ever tried to do and it hasn't always been successful but the only thing I've ever tried to do is one, try and make the music better with each band. Sure. And two, obviously, as we age and we change and we grow, be more real to that rather than, oh, I want to just be Nirvana, bro, like when I was 16. <laughs> and, and three, you know, just, just try, and, try and do everything you can to expose that to a larger audience than the previous one. Sure. But again, that's not necessarily always easy to say because, or even fair to say, because I've been in bands and the genres have been slightly different with each band. Not dramatically so, but I was in a hard rock band, the one that eventually or first led me to London. Mm -hmm. After that, I was in a pop, 100% pop bubblegum product band. After that, I was in an indie band, but with hints of rock mm-hmm. after that i was in a hard rock band again you know and and so like it it's it's all relevant it goes back to the bones thing it's like sure they're all the same you're not expected to like it all you don't have to but it's like food you know like you might like steak i might like chicken it doesn't mean we've got to be enemies like <laughs> like or you might want steak today you might not want steak tomorrow. Yeah. And I've never understood that with music. Like, still to this day, I've got some friends who, they will only listen to this. And, and I yeah. appreciate the, the commitment to right. that. I truly do. That, that's super admirable. But, you would not only eat hamburgers every day. Sure. Or maybe you would, but I won't. I think there's so much out there I'm still heavily, heavily influenced by reggae. I think because of that police thing. I'm heavily influenced by grunge because of my early 
exposure to that genre. I love singer-songwriters. I could listen to Bob Dylan or Tom Petty or Fleetwood Mac all day long. Yeah. I love instrumental Latin music. I love Mexican music. I now love country music. It's like, there's no rules. It just depends on the mood sure. that, that you're in, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Yeah. You know? um, there was something that you said that made me want to go back to Johannesburg one more time. Yeah. It was, it was the... Your observation of the band uh, starting to grow in popularity and change. Yeah. Um, did it, was it ever, or at any point really, not just, not just then, but uh, some of your trials in, in um, England, um, was it ever intimidating? Was it ever... Because, I mean, you're unsure of what's to come until it happens, of course. Yeah. But were, were any steps along the way things that kind of made you take pause? Like, is this, is this going to be okay? Like, all of a sudden, there's the, the, the venue is packed and you're excited because that is a, a generic sign of success. You know what I'm saying? But did, 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 I'll give you a for instance. Sometimes a musician or band will come out with an album and it does really well and they're excited about that. And they kind of ride that high until they sit down and they have to write the next album. And then the fear sets in because they realize that they set a, a bar the for themselves high. that were really high. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, and, and I guess that's kind of the, the, the question I was trying to ask of you is that at any point during this journey, um, because it was multifaceted, were, were, did the fear set in? Did the fear set in um, because it was growing too fast or the fear set in because you were going into unknown territories? Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Let me think. Hmm. You know, if I'm honest, I think, you know that saying, ignorance is bliss? Sure. I just fell in love and fell so hard with music once I discovered it. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of any of that. As I've gotten older, I think... Listen, I've never given myself a <clears throat> contingent plan. You know, I've never had a plan B. Originally, before I figured out that music was what I was going to do, Believe it or not, I wanted to be a doctor. Yeah. Okay. And that's all I was thinking about. You know, I did pretty well at school and I was like, I need to get really good grades because I want to be a doctor, you know? And then the music bug hits and I was like, I'm not going to be a doctor. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. <clears throat> and from the financial secure point of view, I didn't even think about that. You know, many years later, mm. so when I was like 19, um, again, maybe 19, 18, 19, 20, 21, around that scope, I was in a band that's not even one of these that I was talking about, but I was in a band that was doing quite well financially. And we were going on tours all the time and I was making enough money from that band that even if my other bands didn't make a cent, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, now how the other guys felt about that, I'm not sure. I was never thinking about the money. 
aspects. So, so none of that ever scared me. But I do remember a few years after that, I was in the car with my dad. And he had told me, you know, we're just shooting the shit. And he says something like, your mother and I were really quite worried when you said you want to make this your career, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, and he goes, it's not an easy career. At this point, I know it's not an easy career, but, but I didn't care. I'm not scared of work. So I was never scared of that. And I'm not lazy, so I wasn't scared of that either. I was just kind of like, yeah, I know it's a hard career. He's like, yeah, but like some guys make no money. Sure. I'm sorry, that's my <clears throat> Um, And I was like, I'd never considered that. I've always made money. Yeah. Now, listen, I might not be Jay-Z rich, but like, I'm also not completely brain dead that I'm going to take all the money I make and just spend it on gear. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, I know there's gear, but like <laughs> right. a lot of these things paid for themselves, you know, yeah. like, and, and so, so I think the only time I ever felt really strange or intim intimidated in any way was again, to go back to ignorance, I just kind of assumed, Hey, I love music and everybody else must love music. And so I became so obsessed with it that when I was younger playing in bands, I mean, I'm still playing in bands, but, but when I was like in my first couple bands, too young to even enter the venue, yeah. my parents would have to drive me. I'd have to sit outside. They'd let me in. The venue would let me in to play. And then I'd have to sit back outside. I was typically in bands with all, everybody that was always older than me. Uh -huh. And the only thing, that, or the only time I ever kind of got weirded out was... I, I just assumed everyone was going to love music and I didn't realize that some guys had vices and it took me a few years to understand that. Mm -hmm. And so as like a 15 or 16 year old, when you've got like what essentially is an adult man talking to you in a certain way or, or making you feel belittled in a certain way, you don't really understand because you're like, you know, you're... Invincible. <laughs> and you're invincible. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, you don't really understand. And you're like, oh, well, why is that guy in such a bad mood? Yeah. And then as I got a little older and I started to actually see some of these things, I was like, okay, I've been a little ignorant. Sure. Been a little ignorant here. Like, sure, you know, I'm sure these people do love the music in the same way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. But their paths have taken them down certain roads that I have yet to go down yeah but you know a lot of people get plagued by the what ifs and they kind of dwell on it or focus on it or try to prepare for the unknown which is yeah. impossible and yeah uh you know certain personality types i believe i don't think it was all youthful ignorance yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. i mean youthful ignorance can make you mighty brave yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. and um you, you might stand to gain more as a result of that because you know you walked right into the fire not yeah. knowing it was hot yet you know that I think that just comes with the territory, though. That's cool. I was just more or less curious that because um, it, it, the Johannesburg moment when you were saying, you know, thirty plus thirty plus thirty yeah. more, and all of a sudden the venue sold out. I was like, you know, y'all were awfully young. Yeah, we did were it, young. Was any of it ever intimidating? But I guess you just, like you said, you fell in love with it so we, hard. It just, yeah, and, and it we, was like we diving were, in the deep end. You just, as long as you knew how to swim, you felt like it didn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. And and as long as people were showing up, we were like, 
we were buzzing, man. We were yeah. like, man, people are coming to watch us, and it's a freaking Tuesday night, and like, oh my god, you know, <laughs> like we didn't we didn't realize how like it's almost funny. It's funny how like the the way we built is because as you get older, you start to see things in such different lights, and it's funny because like if you could appreciate some of those moments for what they were when they were there versus being like, ah, we're a popular band. Yeah. And there'll be another gig tomorrow. Oh, whatever, bro. That kind of vibe. It's like, be interesting to know how you think about those things, you know? But no, I I really, I just, I didn't, you know, I, I suppose in hindsight, some of my confidence could have been confused for arrogance I never tried to be an arrogant, egotistical person. Uh, I've never thought of myself as one. Yeah. But again, you never know how people read you, you know? And maybe because essentially we were kids, maybe people just thought we thought we were the shit or something. Yeah. Maybe we did. I, I know I believed we were a very good band. I still do. I mean, that band hasn't existed in forever and a day. But I believe that band could have held its own against anybody at that time. Sure. You know, it's like we were really individually great at our instruments. And there were songs. And I've always felt that the one thing I've got to say, I've always felt like the songs are everything. Sure. Because like... No one cares if you can do the greatest drum solo for 10 hours or the greatest guitar solo behind your head while your guitar's on fire <laughs> for 10 hours. And hey, it's like, like, you, before we started recording, you mentioned TikTok, and now all of that's in question because it's yeah. like, I didn't know breasts were so popular. I didn't know they could run an entire platform, yeah. you know, but apparently they can. They can. And, and, and listen, you know, that's a discussion my wife and I have gotten into a couple times too. It's like... If you're happy putting yourself out like that, all the power to you. Like, I'm not going to be the person to tell you not to do it. You know, like, whatever floats your boat, man. Like, that's totally, totally cool. But it's just interesting because I just think when it comes to music, to take it away from TikTok, when it comes to music, it's like, there are genres designed for that. So if you want to show that you are that technically profound, play that genre. Sure. But, well, that's, again, that's not fair of me to say. Play any genre you want. But it's funny because it's like, I just believe it should be about the song. Sure. I've always believed that. It's like, <laughs> if you can have a 10-minute song and it's great, Bohemian Rhapsody, Mm-hmm. Fucking incredible. Yeah. You know? But that's not to say that every song should be 10 minutes. No, no. Just no, like, no. Yeah. hey, if the song's great in a minute, how many Green Day songs back in the day were a minute long? Yeah. Or two minutes long? And they were great songs. Yeah. Like, just focus on making a good song. I think that's what it's about, you know? The band that um, you were in in Johannesburg and then, uh, you said England? Yeah. When you moved over? Okay. Um, all together. What was the name of that band? We were called Pyramid Tongue. Pyramid Tongue? Yeah. And uh, how long were you in England before things started to fall apart? A few months. Wow. Okay. It's pretty quick. Yeah. And listen, 
It wasn't anybody's individual fault. Yeah. We made some dumb decisions. Yeah. Well, that's a lot to take on as young as you were, you know. We were partying very hard and, you know, our manager got sick and we didn't know how to deal with that and people started to get stressed out with money and relationships, you know, you had girlfriends at home. Sure. What are we going to do? I want to go back to my girlfriend. Oh, I'm making no money, blah, blah, blah. There were various elements that came crashing down. The irony of the whole situation is, is as that was ending, we charted a song on the South African top 40, got to number eight or 12, I can't remember, got up there, Mm. definitely within the top 15. And they were playing this thing four, five, six times a day, high rotation on like big radio stations. And we weren't there. (laughs) So it's like, it's, it's pretty ironic. It is ironic. Yeah. It's like we had worked for years to get to that point. Yeah. We had had a little bit of radio play before, but we'd worked for years to get to that point. Bands dream of that point. Right. And we had left to try and go to this greater opportunity, which never materialized. Yeah. Um, after that, did that experience kind of become a metric with which you would measure up your current current band or current activity or or um, uh, from current a, level, I guess? From a how good are we love point of view, yes. Because yeah. that band was always very good love. Mm-hmm. I've been in bands that were better. But I always, it only got better because we had a starting point. And if we couldn't do this, we weren't good enough yet. Yeah. And once you got there, hey, well, now let's take this and put it here. Mm-hmm. That's what we were always trying for, you yeah. know. So. Um, you had formed a band of your own more than once while in England? Yes. What, uh, was, what was the direction, the genre, the, the, so, the vibe? So the first the time, okay, so, so then I got signed to that pop group mm-hmm. and uh, we got signed to Universal Records and started doing a few things with that did quite well actually in the interim I formed started writing or I was already writing songs and I decided I was going to form a band called Munkin Pure Munkin Pure was kind of rock kind of indie in between I suppose we were more influenced by indie because at the time the killers were breaking like blowing up Kaiser Chiefs, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't remember all of them. Franz Ferdinand and and just massive, Razor Light, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and so we were like, okay, well, we can, we can continue making what we make with a couple teaspoons of this, you know? When, when are we talking? Because I remember that. I, remember I feel it. like it was like, that's like got to be like 2000. Five-ish, 2006-ish, around there. Were they all yeah. from over there? Or I think the Arctic all Monkeys. Of them, were yeah, Arctic Monkeys. Them. All of them except for the Killers. The Killers are from Vegas, I believe. Okay. Um, and I All th- from over there, all during that time. And it's the genre that you're trying yeah. to step into. Yeah. Was, did, you, did you feel like uh, it was an advantage because you were in a hotbed? Or did you feel like it was Mission Impossible because Both. you're up against the big guys? Both. Yeah. Both. It felt... Very empowering because you knew that there was a chance that you had more more ways of being discovered. Mm-hmm. But it also became so 
infiltrated with sure thousands Saturation. of bears doing that. Yeah, and so there were there were positives and negatives to it, you know. Um, anyway, so that band lasts for a few years. Ironically, the pop band, I mean, coincide coincide coinciding at the same time. Yeah, lands up falling apart. And uh, they decide that, you know, we're going to take a break. The, 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 guy, the producer guy I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> he phones. He's like, look, go home for a little while. Take, take some time off, this and that, this and that. We're going to regroup. So I'm like, okay. So I go back to South Africa. Um, supposed to only be there for a couple of months. Stayed for a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Um, the band had completely disintegrated. Sure. There, there was no coming back from it. So... He had let us know. I wasn't going to just jump ship. Please don't get me wrong. He, while I was over there, you know, singer's not coming back. I'm going to go on to the next thing. You're still under contract. But, you know, hang tight. We're going to figure things out. Well, I hung as tight as I could, you know. Sure. <laughs> but I was also bored. So the Monk and Pure band that I'd started, I was like, well, I'm going to just keep it going here. I've got the songs. Got a couple albums. This and that, this and that. So... Gigged with that for a couple of years back in South Africa um, <clears throat> with the intention of always going back to England. By that point, England's home. Okay, South Africa's always home, but England's always home too. This is now home. Wherever I lay my hat is home. Okay, sure. And so we gig for a couple of years and with the, the members that are in the band at the time, I'm like, come on, man. We, we, we're doing quite well. Like, it's time. Why don't we all go to England? I said, we're not going to go there and try and fall apart. That's happened. Different. Well, one guy who was actually in the Pyramid Tongue with me. Um, but I said, we, we know better now. Plus, we've got these albums of work. I've lived there. Like, we can book gigs. We can go do our thing, you know. Yeah, cool. We're going to do that. So we plan. We must have planned for about a year, Right. We were going to do it different this time. Sure. We didn't have management this time. We, we were going to go do it all by ourselves. And anyway, I went. The bass player went. The guitarist never went. Always somebody. And yeah, so, so I mean, look, it's, it's all good, you know. Uh, I don't know why he, he didn't come. Yeah. Basically, communication stopped. It was very strange. It was a very interesting situation. He was the one that was really spearheading the whole thing. You know, he knew, <laughs> he knew that myself and the bass player had gone. Yeah. And he, he thought this was a great idea. So we just thought, well, cool. So anyway, we got there. And after, after realizing he wasn't going to show up, we're like, well, we got to do something. So we found another guitarist. And we continued gigging as that band for a couple more years. Um, in England. In England. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're now in England full time. Do me a favor. Is it monk and pure? Is that what you're All saying? All one word, monk in pure. Yeah, M M monk in pure. Yeah, M U N K I N P U R E. It's a type of paper, but I spelt it wrong. Oh, okay. It's a type of paper, and I spelt it wrong. So monk and pure as a word doesn't actually exist, but monk and pure as an item does. Gotcha. It's a type of quality paper. My dad was a printer, and so ah, I was looking. Okay. I found this thing, and I was like, "That'd be a cool band name." <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, we gig for a couple of years. Again, that whole thing starts to happen. You're starting to get more people, starting to get more people interested, getting a little bit of radio play on some little stations and 
every bit of exposure helps, right? And um, we sign a management contract. But we weren't fully aware through fault of our own that there were certain clauses in this contract that were just terrible for us to sign. And we figured, well, what's the worst that can happen? They blow us up and screw us a bit, but by that point we've blown up. Yeah. Or they don't blow us up and no one makes any money. Some money of some money is still better than no money of no money. That was our outlook, okay? How old are you at that time? Got to be like... I want to say like 25, mm-hmm. 26, 27 around here. Okay. And anyway, so shoot forward without going into every absolute detail. We like, the, they, they weren't holding up the stuff, okay? They Certain things, depending, it's just like every, any other contract, right? If you say, I'm going to do A, B, and C, I have to do... D, E, and F. Right. If I'm doing D, E, and F, and you're not doing A, B, and C, at some point, we have to come to some kind of mutual understanding that we either aren't going to be with you anymore, or you have to do that, or you have to get rid of us. And they weren't quite willing to void the contract, but they also weren't willing to start picking up their slack. So we were like, well, we're going to break the band up. So three albums and an EP in after working super hard to sort of develop a bit of a following, mm-hmm. especially on that live situation. I mean, England's brutal, man. Listen, if you're not doing your thing to the top of your game, at least when we were there, you weren't getting anywhere, okay? And we finally got to that point, and then we were told that we weren't allowed to book our own gigs anymore, which I always thought was really interesting. They wanted full control. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, maybe we didn't know. Uh, That sounds like a cop-out. We were too naive to question. So we were like, okay, well, if this is an opportunity for us, if that's what they want, we'll do it. And so a couple months go by and we're not gigging. And our following started to dwindle. Sure. And so we realize we got one or two choices. We can either... Stay on the ship as it continues to just slowly sink. Yeah. We can ask for our release, see what happens. They said no. Or we can break the band up. And then that way we're out of this contract. And that's what we did. Good Lord. And so, so <laughs> strategic, we, we, yeah. strategic suicide. And it was, it was tough. It was tough. We, we broke the band up. And it was super ironic because this leads me more to kind of getting current where we almost are so when I mean, we're talking this this happens over periods of years okay? sure and we're on our last gig we've booked this small we call them mini tours over there there's so many um counties over there mm-hmm. that you can i suppose if you look at the states it would be like the equivalent of kind of touring new orleans slidell lafayette houston Austin, come back around Arkansas, 
figure out where you can come back. Like you did like that kind of tour, like these sure. little mini tours, right? And so we, on the last date of that tour, and I have an industry friend who's coming to the gig, and she brings her partner, and on stage, I say, this is our last gig. After this, we cease to exist, you know? And uh, thanks, everybody, for the years of support. We will be back with something else. We don't know what, we don't know when. At this point, I've been in bands for like, I don't even know, like 15 years or so. In and so. out of creating. In and out, and, you know, and it's and, like, it's, it's like, yeah. what, what, so this, like is, this is nothing new. Like, again, I'm not worried about the financial aspect. I'm, I've, I've figured that out. I know what to do to make money, you mm-hmm. know? And so, so like, I'm like, I just creatively, I think I might need some kind of, I've got to take a step back, you know? We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally in the middle of podcasts, they give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, we like to shout out our members. Today I've got for you a classic rock and country cover band by the name Chris Pryor in the main event. Chris is originally from Sarepta, Louisiana. Hope I'm saying that right. And is currently living in Denham Springs, Louisiana. He's inspired by artists like Leonard Skinner, ZZ Top, Jason Aldean, and Randy Hauser. When asked what single factor played the biggest role in his decision to pursue a career in music, he said he finally decided to just make it happen. He got stuck in a music rut for many years, waiting to be discovered, and one day, it clicked. He decided he wanted to put together a band of the absolute best musicians that were available, and in less than a year he has that. They strive to be the best at what they do. They've been steadily gigging locally at venues and private events. They've also been developing and recording original material when time permits. Now, I'm going to play y'all an example of their work in a second, but I want to give you a few spots where you can find more. They're on our site as a member. You could search them on our musicians page by name, Chris Pryor in the main event. And that's uh, NewOrleansMusicians.com, by the way. They're also on Facebook under CP The Main Event One. They're on TikTok at Main Event Rocks, and they have a YouTube channel at The Main Event 8155. So be sure to go check them out at one or more of those places and give them a follow. They do have a website coming out soon, and we'll be keeping y'all informed on that. It's currently under construction. But hey, without further ado, take a listen at these guys. They really deserve a round of applause. This one's called My Kind of Party, and that's by Chris Pryor in the main event, featuring Brittany Jenkins. Check it out. Now back to our show. And so we break the band up. And this industry friend of mine, her partner, comes up to me while I'm watching or packing up. I think I'm packing up. Maybe there was another band playing. I can't remember. I might be at the bar going to get a drink. I can't remember. But at that gig. 
And he says to me, he says, you're really breaking the band up. He had never seen us play. I'm like, yeah, dude, we're done. You know, and he goes, man, I'd really be interested in working with someone like you. So I'm like, well, that's great. Uh, but, you know, it's done. And I give him my number, which is interesting because I typically give my number to musicians. I don't uh-huh. typically give my number out to people I don't really know at gigs. But I happen to give him my number and he starts phoning me almost daily. Come on, man, let's get together and talk. And I really like, you know, I respect his partner as an industry person. I, I, I held her in very high regard, which automatically made me hold him in a certain regard. But I'm also thinking, like, I don't know anything about this gentleman, you know? like I've been on a few of those. Yeah. Yeah. But he's fine with me. Come on, man, let's, let's get together. Let's talk music. Okay. Next day, a couple of days. Let's go have dinner. I want to talk about the band. Okay. A couple of days. Let's come, come over, man. I'm going to play some stuff. Plays me all this interesting music that he's into and stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. It's like, we should do something. I'm like, we're done, dude. It's finished, you know? So he's like, well, think. What was, I'm sorry. What was this person's role in industry? He, he wanted to manage us. Okay. Um, so he's like, well, think about it, you know? And he was representative of a label or he was an independent manager. He was independent, company? but, okay. but um, heavily involved through his partner. Okay. You know? And um, very good friends with some very, very famous people, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean shit, but, but from a... You knew he was somebody to take serious on that account. The type of guy that yeah. could pick up the phone with certain people and go, listen to my guys, you know? Right. So we started to talk about it and we kind of were like, okay, well, what do we do? We've got this album in the can. We haven't released it, you know? We can start a new band from scratch. We take him on board or he takes us on board. We do it, try to do it his way, you know? We go through the same motions. It took a couple of months to get to the decision, but the long and short of it is we formed this band called Dead Days. Okay. Our whole mantra was those days are dead because uh, we wanted nothing to do with any of the previous stuff. Mm-hmm. We really identify our sound, try our best to identify our brand. We spend a lot of time on this from a creative as- uh, aspect, you know. And uh, he comes on board as our manager. Really nice guy. He, he helps put some financial backing into the band, which is very helpful when you're a young band. Or I don't mean young in terms of age. I mean in terms of how long your band's been together. Sure. You know, he helps pay for merchandise. He helps pay for videos. He helps pay for assets, basically. And we continue to gig for, his, for the next... Um, the next like three years we release a live album we release a studio album we release an EP we're actually in the process of finishing in finishing a new studio album we've been doing it remotely because mm-hmm. they're all in England and I'm here um, we will finish it fantastic band in my opinion sure it's, uh, I don't mean <coughs> that sound arrogant but <clears throat> fantastic band and um yeah, 
in the interim, I start to look around at my bandmates, who I love dearly. I mean, I was best man at my guitarist's wedding, and my brother played in that band, and um, a really cool guy named Ian, he was in that band. I love them all, you know? But I started to look around, and, and certain life things were happening. You know, people were buying houses. People were getting, going through divorces. People were starting new jobs, getting married. Yeah. Those kinds of things. And I was living alone, trying to do the band thing. And I kind of <clears throat> took a step back. I had gone through some personal stuff of my own. And I was like, <clears throat> maybe I need to think a little bit about my actual life. I've spent my whole life thinking about bands. Yeah. Maybe it's time I think about life. And life led me to New Orleans. And this is why I'm here. You got to fill us in a little <laughs> bit more than that as to how, how the, uh, the compass pointed in this direction. Of all places. Okay, I, I traveled through the States. And uh, the first time I came to New Orleans, I loved it. I was like, man, this is like the Holy Grail. Reminds me kind of Johannesburg. Yeah, that was and, interesting that you said that. And um, I met a girl. I met a girl out here. And we did the long distance thing for a while. A while. <laughs> Way longer than I would ever suggest anybody do that. It gets really tough. You know? Um, and we were spending a fortune. I mean, I was coming here maybe two, three times a year, staying six to eight weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. She was coming over there once or twice a year, spending sort of as much time as she could get off. So two to four weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. But costing us a fortune. And, you know, we were getting along like a house on fire. And like, we were like, well, this is so stupid. Like, I get it. I've got my life here. I'm talking about England. And she's got her life here, mm-hmm. New Orleans. And... Again, I was looking at what my band members were doing. And it was taking us quite a long time to finish the album that we're currently working on. Because of personal things that were always going on. Sure. Not just with me, but with everybody. Life. How many guys? Four guys. Okay. Um, and, well, including myself, four guys. And, and I just kind of started looking at it and I was like, you know, maybe I need to... For the first time in my life, at least I felt like the first time in my life, maybe I need to make a decision for my life versus potentially, and this was the first time I ever thought like this, versus potentially not taking a chance on my life and instead being so driven by band, 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 music, 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 which I'm still extremely driven by both of those things. Please don't get me wrong. But I started to, there were certain things that happened, which I'm not going to go into detail because it'll make me sound like I'm a, a bitter, <laughs> negative <laughs> okay. musician yeah, and no, I, I don't no. want to be that guy. Yeah. But there were certain things that happened that made me start going, well, okay, if I'm the only one, and I say this a little tongue in cheek because I'm sure everybody felt or feels this way. 
But I started to kind of think, if I'm the only one willing to go gig on a Tuesday night, if I'm the only one willing to go travel for four hours and potentially not make any money, Mm -hmm. if I'm the only one willing to give up every weekend from now till Christmas and Christmas Day because the right tour came about, maybe I need to start thinking a little bit more about what happens when all of these guys are married and have their families and I'm still here sitting alone in my house going, hey dude, can you do a gig on a Tuesday night? And I started to kind of think of it a little different. And so I was dating this girl from down here and I was like, I love this girl. Why am I torturing her and myself by insisting we stay on this distance trip because I have my, I've got my life to do, bro. And, and she's, she must stay her, her distance, yeah. you know? And I started to think this is unfair to her <clears throat> and myself. Because what if this is the greatest thing I ever have in my life? And I'm keeping her at a distance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was like, I started looking into it. Went and saw an immigration lawyer. Spoke to the band. Said, I'm thinking of potentially moving to the States, you know. Um, where that leaves us, I don't know. I said, but we are gigging less and less. You know, everybody's got this stuff going on. It's getting harder to gig. The singer-songwriter m- movement is really taken off. This was like 2019, mm. 2018, 2019. I was like, so I just think I need to make this decision for me, you know. I said, I'm not breaking the band up. We're not going to gig unless we get the right opportunities financially or or a booking agent books us some kind of tour and I'll come back for six months or three months or six weeks or you come over there or whatever. I said, but we will finish the album. We've done too much work to not. We've had singles. We've had videos. We've, we've had sold out of all our merch we ever had, you know. Um, I said, the, there's only one little bridge to, to, to kind of cross. We've got to finish the album and we've got to figure out who wants to still be involved if it comes to this, you know. Yeah. Um, and at that, uh, you know, at first everybody was, yeah, we'll do it kind of thing. But you realize that once, and I, again, I don't mean this from an arrogant point of view, but you realize once the captain's not there, the ship starts to not really go anywhere. Sure. And so it's now to a point where myself and the guitarist in that band have been finishing the album for the last couple of months. It's a slow process because, you know. Is that the same guy that was from Pyramid Tone? No. Oh, okay. No, Different. but he was the same guy from Monk and Pure. Gotcha. Yeah, and the bass player who was in Pyramid Tongue and Monk and Pure, he was in this band as well, but certain life things eventually took him out. Sure. Um, that's my brother. And, uh, yeah, and that's, that's what brought me here. Yeah. You know? How long have you been here? Three years. Really? Yes. What do you think? I love it. Yeah, I love it. There's there's certain things just like anywhere else where you kind of go, hmm, that could possibly work a little bit better. What but, caught you? What caught you? Because you had, this is not your first time here. You said you had stopped. No, here. I've been traveling here on and off since 2016. Right, and um, the for the 2016 uh, instance was that for music or just sightseeing or? I had gone through some stuff. I needed some time off. Gotcha. Again, from a from a. And this is, again, not to make me try to sound like a hero, right? I've missed 
more Christmases, birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, births than anybody I've ever known. <laughs> right? I didn't take holidays. I went through some shit. And I was like, man, I just got to go. I just got to go. And so I booked myself a few weeks across America. Gotcha. And that's what brought me here. And it was purely from a, let me go and be around nobody I know. Yeah. And so I think New Orleans or Louisiana, I think was my fourth or fifth stop. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. So that was the first time I came. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine you were soaking in a lot of live music. uh, Tons. The first. Yeah. Tons. And I got to be honest, even though I had no intention to move from... The first day I put my feet on Royal Street or Bourbon Street or anything like that, I was like, let me see how this works. And instantly started trying to network with musicians. How does this work? How does the money work here? How do you get gigs? How did you get here? So they tip. How do the tips work? Do the bars pay guarantees? Like, huh, from day one. And I had no intention of moving. It's just the way I'm wired. You know, I want to know everything about the musician. I want to know. Wait, did I give you food here? Yeah, you Is didn't. It good? Yeah, you like, never. Uh, you never left yourself. You just left your surroundings. I you just needed to leave my you. surroundings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and and yeah, and and so no, I mean, I, every. I mean, the first. I was only here a few days because I was going through as many states as possible. I think I hit like maybe nineteen or so, mm-hmm. and. So I was only here like maybe three or four days. I can't quite even remember the first time. Oh, but I was from this bar to that bar to that bar to that bar. I was, it's funny, I I see people on the street and stuff now that are still playing that were guys I met on the first trip here. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's it's an incredible town. Yeah. You know. That's got to be interesting uh, in itself because you've experienced music atmospheres um, I guess in a in a in a, in a commercial sense uh, on three different continents. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this one as compared to some of the others? I, 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 I guess they all have their pros and cons. Very much so. And I think <clears throat> if you are a working musician, which essentially is what I am, you couldn't do better than places like New Orleans. Possibly Nashville, mm-hmm. Austin. I've heard Miami. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> just give it a second. I don't want it to cut into your audio. Her, her and the dog next door They're having talking. a conversation. Yeah. It's all good. Um, yeah. Okay. So from a working musician's perspective yeah absolutely incredible couldn't say one bad thing about it from a like for the music that I want to make Mm -hmm. type of scene I'm going to build a community yeah it's going to take me a few years but I'm going to do it because I'm not going to be the type of guy who bitches and moans that there need to be more alternative rock nights and there need to be, how come 
bands A, B, and C don't tour through here, but they'll go to Shreveport, etc., etc., etc. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm right. going to be the. They drive around Louisiana for the most part. Yes. They drive right around it. Yes, go I've, I've noticed. From Texas to Florida. Listen, I've, have I've, north. I've paid attention to this since I got here. Yeah. You know, and when I first got here, I got to be honest, I wasn't planning on starting a band. I I work in singer songwriter circles. I write daily. Mm-hmm. Pretty decent as a producer, so I was like. I'll come over and be a singer. I mean, a songwriter and a producer. That was my only goal. Mm-hmm. I landed up getting the opportunity to allow myself to push that further. And that's what led me to Deep Sleep Atlantic, which is a whole nother story. But in regards to that would be the only negative. There needs to be more of a scene. I hope to try and contribute and build that scene. Sure. Yeah. You know? There needs to be uh, some kind of congealing. Um, there is a lot of activity here, but it's a lot of individual activity. Yes. And um, I, don't, I don't know of any one vein that kind of gets together. Like the venues don't all network with each other or uh, the booking agents don't all network with each other or uh, nope. you know, the gigging bands... Some do, some don't, but I mean, for the most part, you won't see a bunch of them working with each other, you know, these different veins, and uh, I'm not sure why that is. I think it's in every facet of life down here. Yeah. Don't know why, because we're still hospitable. Yeah. There is that that southern hospitality. Without a doubt. But at the same time, you know, at the end of the night, um, I go my way and you go yours, and, you know, it's, it's unspoken. Yeah. Which is very odd. Did you, did you experience... Um, something to the contrary, like say in England, was was there not so much a scene, I guess, but the, the, the cooperation. There, there is a scene, and and similar in regards to here, in that there's cooperation depending on who it is. Sure, you know, because there is more of a scene for this type of music down mm-hmm. there, or up there, up there, up there, <laughs> like the. The cooperation seems to happen. You know, like, listen, there's always going to be those band members or those bands that are very standoffish. Mm-hmm. And a lot of musicians aren't social or are socially awkward. Sure. So sometimes that's not even a, it's not even a done on purpose type characteristic. Sure. So sometimes people are, feel standoffish just because, right? So sometimes... Even within those scenes, it doesn't always exist. But typically, if you find the right type of people, it's no different to finding your tribe, right? That's what they yeah. say, right? You've got to find your tribe. It's the same thing. And like down here, you know, we've been doing a couple gigs and we're starting to find a few people that we're totally going to do stuff more with. And hey, these guys kind of are thinking along the same kind of bigger picture as us. Yeah we're going to go with these dudes or, hey, these guys are really good, but maybe they just need to kind of piggyback with us for a while and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I I think the cooperation is there. I just think that the scene for this type of music is so small Mm -hmm. on this kind of underground level. It's so small 
Because obviously, if you are the Foo Fighters and you come into town, everybody's going. If you're... Everybody's going to work with you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and yeah, so, so like, I think, I think it is there. I think it's just... It's, music's interesting, and I'm sure it's the same for all the scenes. But like, the moment people start seeing a little bit of success, everybody's interested. And they'll, they'll, they'll even like share your post and be like, hey, that's my buddy. But when you, at these grassroots levels, where you're trying to get people to share your stuff. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey! I think they want to get interviewed too. Yeah. Sorry about that. At the um, grassroots level. Yeah. So, I think at the grassroots level, people... Hmm... I'm going to bring social media into it, okay? Mm-hmm. We've all become so important. We're so important. My life's more important than yours. Yours is more important than this guy. That guy's more important than her. And heaven forbid I destroy my timeline by telling people about your podcast. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, man, that ruins my timeline. No one cares about your timeline. None of that's real. None of it's real. And maybe that's easy for me to say because I come from a time when that didn't exist. Yeah, I think our generation, that's the case. And it's now like uh, we're the blind martyr in the street screaming. Everybody's like, he does not know where he is. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it's true. We were there. Exactly. (laughs) And and the the worst part about it is like, listen, I said it earlier. If if you want to live through that like you want to be the person on the screen you want to that's your life that's all you have to i don't want to say that's all you have to contribute but if that's all you feel you want to contribute that's okay i'm not trying to tell anybody how they should or shouldn't live their lives right yeah you want to do that that's cool i just i look at it from more of a at least what i consider to be a bigger picture kind of thing i have to use social media I'm in a band. Without social media, no one would even know we exist. Sure. Right? So I've got to be on all of these platforms. But I think the platforms need to come with more of a disclaimer, which it might in those terms and conditions. No one reads them. Right? But I feel for people of a certain generation and of a certain age to think that that's what you need to compare your life to. Yeah. That's scary stuff, dude. Because, hey, you might put that you just got a freaking Ferrari. Hey, I got my Ferrari. And I'll go, oh, I don't have a Ferrari. Yeah. And instant dopamine crashes. And now I'm depressed. And everything about life sucks. Yeah. That's not true. Life is incredible. Life is hard. But it's incredible. It just depends on your outlook. Yeah. So if, if your only outlook is comparing it to everything that's good in the world... From somebody else's life, you're going to be miserable. You know, um, earlier we were speaking about how the different genres still have the same bones. Um, You know what I find funny about social, and I guess it just occurred to me. In marketing, um, there's there's only a few different tools you can use. Um, They say, um, in general, there's uh, six main tools that, you know, built everything on earth. You know, it's the wheel, it's the wedge, it's the fulcrum, it's these things. 
uh, in marketing, there's, you know, the bandwagon approach and, you know, uh, uh, validation, things of this nature. Um, it's a, it's a marketing ploy. The whole thing is a marketing ploy, but yeah. it still operates on those basic principles. Yeah. The bandwagon and the validation, those, those things. Um, but they get you every time. I mean, yeah. and, and, um, people don't know how to separate that from real life because they feel like it's self-validating because it's a testament or a, ca- a capture of real life when in all actuality it's not you yeah. know so i mean it's a great tool for us yeah you know um you with the band me with the website and getting the word out of yeah. course but at the same time i think that perhaps we we take it at um more than just face value like we know so. what's we know what's behind it you know um has uh since you've been here how long has deep sleep atlantic uh, been together very new very new so so i was working on the album bef- while i found the drummer uh-huh. i was already recording the debut album which comes out this will probably be out, uh, not out or out i'm not sure the album comes out in june and i met daniel who's my drummer we were working at a studio, um, assisting on sessions and stuff like that. We hit it off instantly. He told me he was a drummer. I'm a drummer too. So we obviously had mutual things to talk about, common things to talk about. Sure. And I told him, hey man, like I write songs and stuff. And like I got this album that I'm going to put out. And at the time I wasn't even thinking if I was going to put out an album. But I was like... I got these songs. You want to you want to hear any of the songs, you know? And I played him the songs with no expectations, just like a hey, let me know what you think kind of thing. And he was like, "Man, I, I like those songs. If you want to jam, let's jam." I was like, "Hmm, okay." So we got together and started playing the songs. And then we were like, "Well, maybe we maybe we add someone else, you know?" And we auditioned a couple bass players, um, but eventually decided, nah, we don't need somebody else. Like, with his production knowledge and my production knowledge, and our musicianship where we currently are, we can pull it off with just the two of us. Mm -hmm. He's a great singer, I sing. He's a great drummer, I drum. (coughs) He can play piano, I can play piano. I can play guitar, he can play bits of guitar, like, we, we can get through this, you know? Yeah. So we started to try and dissect it and start kind of thinking like, okay, well, what do we do? How would we do it? But we were getting together once a week regardless, you know? So no intention yet to gig or what the plan was. And, you know, we have management and stuff like that. We had it long before we started being the band that was the whole reason I was going to come here and I was going to be just like I said earlier just the songwriter and a producer and through a friend of a friend of a friend kind of thing a really maybe powerful too egotistical to say but quite a powerful agency Mm -hmm. uh, head of this agency reaches out to me and he goes I believe you're going to the States and I'm like yeah and he goes let's get together before I go 
It's like a couple of days before I'm heading on the plane, you know. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, I'm always down to hang, man. Like, you're an intelligent guy. We're talking about music. We'd never met before today. We've had a fairly decent conversation. Sure. Like, I'm down to do that with anybody. It's when people start pushing their beliefs and their... They come with an agenda. Those yeah. agendas, that's when it gets weird. Yeah. But, you know, I'd met him several times and I was like, okay, yeah, cool, cool. I went and met him and he says to me, hey, um, would love to have you as an artist. And I'm like, wait, what? Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking, honestly. And he even goes as far as quoting some of the Dead Day songs. Oh, God. And he goes, man, I love this song. I love that song. He's like, something didn't connect, though. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm leaving in like, I think like four days, maybe three. Yeah. I'm like, dude, like, uh, uh, I'm going to be a songwriter, man. I said, like, I write religiously, daily. I said, I can write you a song in 30 seconds. You give me a topic. That's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go be a songwriter and a producer and that's that's what I'm doing now, man. I'm, I'm making a, a change. I'm going to live a life. And I'm, I'm going to do that. He goes, you can do that anytime. You should be an artist. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing it, man. I'm done. <laughs> Honest to God, hand on my heart, done. I'm assuming this, this agency uh, was not uh, as far-reaching that it, it had influence uh, over here. It does. It does? It does. So yeah. was that possibly an option? Well, so, yes, if I'm willing to be an artist. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'll have to think about it, dude. Like, I appreciate it, but you don't understand. Like, the amount of shit that has gone down since I was a kid to now, it's all I know. I have no qualifications I have no backup plans. I have no anything except for the fact that I've been around the world and I can make your band talk. Like, if your band sucks, I could be the Gordon Ramsay. I can come in and tell you exactly what's wrong yeah. and how to fix it. And if you follow my directions, again, I don't mean that in an egotistical way, but if you follow my, my points... I swear to God, even if you only do six of them, if there's six to do, your band will be a better band. I know bands inside out, like inside out. And it always takes me back to when I listen to the headphones. Like people, I know, I know some musicians who talk about sound in forms of color. Oh, I can hear this. It's green and that's purple. I forgot what you call that. You yeah, there's, a, there's a word for it, right? Yeah, yeah. Now listen, I've never seen it as color. But I swear to God, the moment I put those headphones on, when I found that record collection, I might not have known what a guitar was. I might not have known what a snare drum was. I didn't know what a bass guitar or a, a, a freaking maraca was. I didn't know any of that. But I could see layers. And I still can. I know exactly how it should work. I, I could understand it pretty instantly. So there was some sort of <clears throat> visual representation. Without a doubt, right? <clears throat> and so... So anyway, I came with the intention of being a, sing a songwriter. Not a singer, wasn't interested, songwriter, producer. And I told the guy, I, was, I think about it. 
And so these were the songs I was working on. Um, I kept saying to him, sign me as a songwriter. Nope. But if you're willing to be an artist, I can always push you as a songwriter later. Okay, so, so yeah, so I say to the guy, sign me as a songwriter. And he goes, uh, if you're an artist, I can That's what help you as a songwriter, right? And he, at this point, he was still offering in the States. So it was going to yeah, come Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've gonna... moved. I've moved. Okay, and yeah, we're I've... still talking after yeah, you Yeah, we, we're, we're still talking. He's, okay. he's interested. So he intends know? on yeah. having you one And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I, I don't know. But the seed was planted, you know? And I'm thinking, like, man, I know about bands. Like, what's one more band going to hurt? Like... It's not like it's not like I don't know how to be in a band, you know. So I start thinking about it, and I start writing songs. I mean, I'm I'm writing songs anyway, but I'm starting to write songs more for like, well, if I was in another band, what would I want to sound like? Yeah. What would I want to look like? What would I want us to be called? What would, what would it look like? Is it just another band? Because bands, there's like you could. Especially down here, you could throw a freaking quarter out your door and you'll hit somebody who's in a band, you know? Right. So I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I don't want it to be the same thing I've done. I need to really give this some thought. But like I say, the seed's planted. So every day, I wasn't allowed to work for the first few months that I came over here. You know, that's part of the, the condition on your visa. So every day I'm sitting there and where we were staying had a pool so I'm just spending all day playing guitar swimming and I've got a notebook you poor bastard yeah I know (laughs) what a what a hard laugh and and uh, I'm thinking like every time I think of something I'm just writing it down and by the end of the day pros cons by the next day nah I don't want to be in a band by that night nuts but if I was in a band it would be called this by the next day that's a stupid name I would never, I'd never call a band that. By that night, I'm not going to be in a band. And back and forth and back and forth. Just like a whole war in my head, you know. But I am starting to write some stuff. Away from the just typical everyday stuff I'm writing for catalogue. Because I write everyday for catalogue. And, and for what they call top line, I'm trying to always write melodies for producers and, and stuff like that, right? <clears throat> so, before I know it, I'm like, huh. I got like, like easy more than an album worth of stuff that I think would be great that no one else would sing. No one else is going to use these songs. They're too <laughs> depressing. And, but like, I just, I don't know, you know, yeah. like, so, so what do I do? And that's when I meet Daniel and I'm like, let me play you some of these songs. And he likes the songs. So we start jamming. Now, by default, I'm in a band. And I know that I don't want to be like every other band. So we're not going to have another band member. Unless it's somebody who can play keyboard, bass, guitar, sing like a champion, has great time, has a cool look. It's got to be the whole package. It's like, that's what we're trying to do. You know, we, we're trying to be a certain thing. So if you are that guy, we'll consider. Not anymore. We're a two-piece two for as long as we'll probably go. Yeah. Touch wood, you never know, okay? But, so, decide on a name, start doing some gigs, um, and we're like, well, cool, this is what we're going to do. 
And that brings us to where we're at now. We put out the first single in March. It's done superbly well. Like, <laughs> way, way more than I could have dreamed. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, I was just trying to make music I like, man. Yeah. You know? What's interesting about this time, I believe, is that um, you kind of, there's always this this stage in everyone's life, in a band or, or out of, um, and, and it's not just maturing, but um, I, I guess it's on the tail end of that, where you start to prioritize things in your life and... Um, quality becomes more important than quantity yeah. and um, you start to actually have like a sensible I guess opinion yeah. on things um, you know you don't have to be an aficionado to to realize that you need a certain amount of money a month or else you're going to feel kind of bummy yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying exactly. you're, you're going to exactly. be eating tuna fish you know yeah. but so and a lot of bands don't make it through that process, especially yeah. if they form when they're young. So I think it would have been an impossibility mm. for your original band to still be a pyramid tongue, I'm sorry, to, yeah. to still be together yeah. all of this time over so, the span too. of three different continents, over the span of the, you know, um, your maturity uh, or maturing through life. And um, so I think it's healthy that um, you've gotten that stuff out of the way. Yeah. And it's at a point actually where you put yourself first. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to create something that's too imposing on your, your life as a person Yeah. to where three years down the road, you learn the hard way you shouldn't have imposed yeah. upon yourself like that. So that, that's really cool. And I guess, um, especially like you're saying, you, it kind of came about without the pressures or, or the intention. Yeah. So, um, you couldn't ask for anything more natural, I believe. And I, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of good things come out of people when they're allowed to yeah. to kind of uh, speak their mind audibly, I guess you would say, you know? Yeah, completely. And, you know, like, at, at times, there were, there were a, f- a couple moments of frustration in the early stages of this because especially with some of the people who are involved with us, being really well connected we you know you think someone's just gonna click a, a, a their fingers and something's gonna happen and so once once you thought that that was gonna happen you were like well why is this not happening but in hindsight the one absolute positive that i have to piggyback on you your your comment there and say is the whole time that this process has been going because we've been working on it for a while mm-hmm every single time when I run something by my management, he'll go, okay, but think about if that's really what you want. Or think about if, hey, figure out the branding. Or hey, figure out this a bit better. Or never with the, you need to do this. You have to do that. Mm. But more of a, like, what is it you're trying to do? But it's always in the context of an artist. Of pitching you as an artist, Exactly. Right? Like, yeah, you're in that lane in that, their eyes. And, that's, and, and it's funny because it's like, from me fighting against that for as long as I did, because easy the first six months of me being here, maybe longer. Nah, I'm, I'm not sure. 
you know, which, you know, I know it might seem a little ungrateful. Some people would kill for those kinds of opportunities. But you never know the shoes someone's walked in, you know, and I'm not trying to say that I was unhappy or anything like that. We all get moments of being unhappy, you know, so it's not got anything to do with that. It just came down to I didn't want to keep what's the definition of insanity you keep doing the same, same thing, thing hoping for different, different results yeah. right yeah. like and and at this point i mean i i can't even count how many bands i've been in we spoke about three pyramid tongue monk and pure dead days okay four now deep sleep atlantic away from that more than more than we could hold in our hands you know, so it's like it just became, is that what I want? You know, music, of course. Music will be part of my life till I die. There's zero doubt about that, God willing. But there are certain personalities that come along this road that become a little taxi. Sure. There are certain situations that come along this road that can be extremely taxing. And, and then, you know, like, you've, you've got to also look at, like, what sort of life you want. Like, you might not get it. Don't get me wrong. But you have to have a goal. That was or is the intention of this. Like, would it be wonderful to be this generation's version of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? Of course it would. <laughs> but you have to be a realist. You have to figure out who your audience are. You have to decide, is that the audience you want? Because if it isn't, well, is this really the music you want to make? And if it is, well, then maybe you need to know where your lanes are. So that if you don't become Billie Eilish, or if you don't become Ed Sheeran, you're okay with that. Yeah. Because if you think that that's what you're going to do, and you're making some kind of hardcore, screamo, I don't know, odd time signature, prog rock, metal thing and your heart's really into that but you can't break through because it's not mainstream you can't be upset you've got to look no. at the black and white and you've got to be honest with yourself and i think with deep sleep atlantic and this is just my two cents on it you know i have been extremely i've spent a lot of time i mean i've got notebook after notebook with sketches and this logo, that logo, oh no, I got probably a hundred logos we didn't use. I mean, we've been sitting on this album for a while. We could have just put it out. It would have been one of the 75,000 songs that get out a day that get no play. Now, listen, I know it didn't get as much play as Dua Lipa's new single, but we also don't have the money Dua Lipa has to put behind that sing single. You know, so... All I'm trying to say is, it's been meticulous, but in a positive way. Sure. Because we've been building business plans and timelines and content and ideas. And, okay, we could go out and gig every single night. Is that smart? We're trying to think smart. It might not pay off, but we, we're attempting to... Follow a different path. These paths have all been taken. 
path A got me here, path B got me here, path C maybe here, whatever. This is a whole new path for me. Sure. You know, that's what we're trying to do. Um, your first album mm. for Deep Sleep Atlantic yeah. comes out next month. When and where can they all find that? 9th of June, Prelude. Um, it'll be on all the usual sources, you know, the all the typical streaming things. If people want to purchase it, obviously, that can be via our website or wherever you purchase music, iTunes, Amazon, those kinds of things. The The first single, like I say, came out in March. The new single comes out this Friday. Um, and the third single will come out with the album. Name them for me, please, for them. First single is called Bipolar Tendencies. Second single is called Blue. Third single is called Bones. And Bones features a guitar solo from a really good friend of mine, Zach Loy. Mm-hmm. Zach Loy plays in that band Live. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Live? Yeah. Yeah, so like... That's cool, man. We, um, I'm proud of it, you know. That's and uh, and we're, you know, I don't know if I should say this yet. Maybe it's too premature, but we're about sixty percent the way through already with album number two. Yeah. So like we we you know we we're following our little business plan, which sounds so unrock and roll. But like, what's rock and roll now? You know. I've been hearing it more and more. You're not the only one. People don't realize getting into this that um, it's a business. Yeah, music music is uh, recess, and yeah. business is school time. Yeah. And guess which takes up more of your day? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But exactly. Um, it's a privilege to play play music. Yeah, not just to be able to play it, but it's a privilege to be able to perform and play music yeah. for people. And maybe we pay for that, or y'all pay for that by having to handle the business side yeah. of things as well. You know. And also, you know, I do think it's good that. People try and educate themselves. It's difficult. Absolutely. You know, watching Spotify tutorials on algorithms and things like that for four hours a day for two months, it's not fun. <laughs> but again, you have to decide because you can do that mm-hmm. or you can pay someone to do it. And these campaigns are thousands of dollars. Yeah. So if you're going to spend $10,000 on a marketing campaign, mm-hmm. Which might not get you any more than you could have done for yourself. It might. Please don't get me wrong. It might. But knowledge is power, man. Like, like you could learn those skills. It's no different from you editing a podcast. That is a skill. Now, sure, some people might go study and have to get a piece of paper for that skill. But whether you have that piece of paper or not, a skill is a skill. Sure. And so as you... Arm yourself with more skilled weaponry, if you mm-hmm. want to use that term. Like, you become, not even for other people, for yourself. You become more valuable. Absolutely. Listen, I'm at a point where it's like, I have these discussions all the time. It's like, we've all got choices, right? And this is not to sound preachy. It's not to sound like demeaning or anything like that. But we've all got choices, right? You made the choice to get in your car, come here to my home studio, do this interview. It's going to take you time to edit this, etc., etc., etc. But you made that choice. How many people do you know that go, man, I'd love to put out a podcast. And they sit there and they watch TV all day. They don't, they don't make the, the, it's too easy to talk about. Yeah. Listen, I- listen, I've been, I've been diagnosed with depression twice. I make the choice every day 
to get up and work. And now, sure, it's different for different people, yeah. right? Like, like maybe my mindset works different to yours. And maybe because of that, I can function. I can, okay, I've got to peel myself out of bed. I've got to go take my dogs for a walk. I've got to get back and practice guitar for an hour. And then I can work on some music. Oh, I've got to go do this gig tonight. But I don't look at it as I've got to. I look at it as like I'm lucky. I get up every day and I make the choice to appreciate the fact that I can. And then even on the shittest gigs in the world or even when my dogs are crying through the door, I... I feel lucky that I, I get to live this life. I get to talk to people like you about my music. Sure. That's fucking awesome. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to take the time out to kind of consider those things because a lot of people will say, yeah, that's great and all, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you before I forgot because you, you mentioned uh, something that was going to be my next question, um, but you'd kind of mentioned it. Uh, you were studying Spotify's algorithms and such. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your release strategy mm. for the album Prelude. Um, you did three yeah. and then the album. Yeah, well, the third one's coming out with the album. Oh, okay. So, so release strategy, basically, bullet points of it would be we put out a single. Four weeks later, single. Video for both, mm. Okay. Four weeks later, album with single video. Gotcha. And then there's a few other things, more intricate things in between all of that. But, but like I say, it's, it's been, the response has been pretty incredible. I mean, we're obviously brand new. We launched March. So we're brand new. We might have been working in the background and practicing and tweaking. Sure. But the actual band launched March. Mm-hmm. And and like the response has been incredible. I mean, we've had a couple. I don't know. I, this is something I'm now trying to learn. But we've had a couple little reels go. I don't want to say viral, but like a couple reels have gotten into the thousands now. Like one got into like sixty thousand. One got to like ten thousand. Great. It's not happening with all of them. Sure. I mean, one will get ten. Yeah. And then one will get ten thousand. It makes no there sense. There is to no me. sense there to be made. Trust you know? me. <laughs> but 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 like the 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 just general response on like say the first single bipolar tendencies. It's crazy. I mean, I think we got playlisted on like over forty radio stations around Fantastic. the world. Nice. Now listen, I know that not all those radio stations are like massive. I don't care <laughs> because because like if one person in Ecuador listens to that radio station and happens to hear our song yeah. and go, that's cool. Winning. Yeah, five seconds of anybody's five day is seconds. winning, dude. <laughs> exactly, you know? And, and, and so, like, that's the way I'm looking at it. I, I can't believe the, 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 the response. I mean, I had a guy hit me up on Instagram today. At first, I thought it was spam. Mm-hmm. You know, he got into my DMs and he's like, hey, my friend, um, love, love your music. And I was like, yeah, okay. And? So, listen, I respond to everybody. I take care of all the social medias. And I responded. I said, well, thanks, man. Thinking, all right, Here let's see where pitch. this goes. Yeah. And a few minutes later, he's like, seriously, I'm, I'm on Spotify right now. I'm just, just, we've only got one song on Spotify at this point. And the other one comes out this week. He's like, I've, I've repeat looped this song like all day. <laughs> it's like 
it's incredible. That's I awesome. like I love this, and I'm like, cool. You know, I mean, I don't know what more to say. Thank you, like, like, thanks so much. Like, truly, yeah. that helps. Like, we you can't even imagine. But like, I'm just to go back to what I said earlier. I'm at a point where it's like, and I talk to Daniel about this all the time. It's like. To become a rich, famous rock star would be incredible, right? I don't think I want the that rock star thing. I've never been into that. That's so, I don't know. I feel like that's a dead thing, personally, that way that some of those guys carry themselves. I think you can't do that now, you know? You can't throw a TV out of a hotel room now. You'll get cancelled. So you know? people with cameras now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But honestly, the second that... Um I mean, I've said this about myself and what I'm doing. If you were to explode tomorrow, you might find yourself too deluded to continue on with the same purity. Exactly. And I think that a lot of people, and that's why I kind of asked you that question earlier about um, were the things that kind of intimidated you when things started to happen, in your words. Yeah. Um, Because that can have a really deep, long-lasting, and possibly incredibly negative effect on you. Yeah. Um, you know, you could write great music and you've been, uh, diagnosed with depression twice. What if tomorrow you would never say it again? I know. Would we ever hear the same music? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there is, there's some beauty and suffering, especially when it comes to musicians and, listen, and creatives man, this, in general. This is know? my therapy, man. Sure. This is my therapy. I go into these holes and I'm not saying it to sound all, oh, I'm, he's so deep and stuff. No, that's all bullshit. Like... This is my therapy. It was coming so when, out regardless. And it's been coming out my whole life. Right. And so, like, when you hear these songs, I can't always pinpoint the exact thing that maybe I was talking about for you. I don't want to either. Yeah. I want you to listen to the song and either go, eh, it's not for me, or, man, I think he's talking about this. And I maybe, I might not be, but, like, it's my therapy. You know, we didn't have Better Help app when I was 16. Right. You know, we didn't have better help app when I was 25. So it's like, the this was my therapy. If you and I got, you were in a band and you gave me a tough time and I got in the car and couldn't understand it, I got home and I wrote a song about it. Yeah. You know, and suddenly I felt better. And so, man, thank God for guitars, I tell you. <laughs> and I started as a drummer, but like, guitars are just genius things. Yeah. And they, I love it all, you know. That's awesome, man. Well, that's cool. I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it, man. That was cool. Check it out. We all pretty much start off like jam bands. We get together, we push our souls out to the speakers. We look around the stage and read off of one another. And, you know, after so much time, we know where the next person is going. Aside from those connections, we build connections with the fans. And that means the world to us. That's why listeners like yourself are so important to us. We'd love to have you back, so hit the button and follow the show. You can also support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash New Orleans Music. That's buymeacoffee.com slash New Orleans Music. And remember, you can find music videos, albums, articles, and interviews with bands like my own, Pocket Chocolate, on neworleansmusicians.com. Thanks for listening.